Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, <clears throat> we have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana and how it can help us in our day-to-day life and how it is relevant in today's world situation. Vipassana is a process of self-realization, a process of truth-realization, realization of the truth pertaining to oneself, within oneself, by oneself at the experiential level. It is so essential for everyone to understand the truth about oneself. More essential for those who play a leading part in the society. They have more responsibility. The leaders of the society, whether of the business world or political world or social world, they have to give a good example to the people. Everything, good or bad, percolates from the top of the society and keeps moving down to the general public. So the leaders have to be ideal leaders. It is easy to say all that, but how to become an ideal leader? We see in politics, we see in business, These people have got so much responsibility, therefore so much burden that all the time the life is full of tension. The mind is not calm, not quiet, disturbed. And with a disturbed mind, what can you expect from this person? Being a businessman myself, 
and having lived as a leading businessman in my country, Myanmar, for half of my life, I know how much tension it is and how, in spite of understanding at the intellectual level that we should keep our cool, don't get agitated, don't get irritated, otherwise you spoil the entire atmosphere of your office, the entire atmosphere of your factory, your workshop, and people cannot work properly. In spite of knowing all that, and nowadays we find experts, business management counselors who keep on giving advices to the CEOs, you must keep your cool, don't disturb the atmosphere, otherwise you won't get the real benefit. The potentiality of people working under you will not get enhanced properly. Many a times a business executive feels that unless I generate negativity, unless I generate anger, these people will not work. It is because I show my anger, my temper, then only they work. To some extent it is true, but not very true. They work out of fear, out of fear that we may be fired, dismissed. So to maintain their work, they have to work. But deep inside, they are so very much unhappy. When the boss is yelling at us on somebody, shouting at somebody, what the result will be? How can these people work giving their full ability, their creativity? One does not get the full answer of their their creativity. By fear, by terror, you cannot achieve. And the chief executives, they understand. I must deal with them in a very proper way, in a calm way. But most of the time, as it was in my case also, when you are successful in your business, then the ego becomes so strong. Look, I am so intelligent. That is why I am successful. All these people who are not successful, they are good for nothing. That is why I am not successful. I am so intelligent. I am so intelligent. That ego. And then the mad, relentless, Rat race, making money, making money. Nothing wrong in making money. After all, a businessman has to make money, honestly. But not with the madness that I must be one inch taller than everybody else. 
my turnover must be highest. I must have the largest profit. All those things. And if you are not successful, then how to how much of disappointment, how much of depression? And if you are successful, the elation again you lose the balance of your mind. You are successful or not successful, you lose the balance of your mind. You lose the peace of your mind. You lose the happiness of your mind. I passed through all that so I know. In any transaction, business transaction, due to any reason I lost the transaction, somebody else got it. The whole night I can't sleep. So much of worry. So much of worry. And when I come to know that the business went to a competitor of mine, my competitor, this fellow who got the business, and I could not get it. Then whole night, there is so much worry, so much misery, one can't sleep. And if I am successful, say I am successful in a transaction, then also I can't sleep the whole night. Whole night I keep on making plans, so this transaction, I made so much money. Next transaction will be more money. And next transaction, more money. Keep on building castles in the sky. Whole night, you can't sleep. I had passed through that. I used to take a sleeping pill every alternative day. Some tranquilizer. What sort of life? Even if you earn a lot of money, if there is no peace... If there is no real happiness, what this money is going to do? Another madness that comes, that I must get money by hook or by crook, doesn't matter. I may deceive my customers. I must get money. I may deceive my shareholders. I must get money. That madness to get money, to get money in any way, how can that give peace? How can that give harmony? A businessman plays a very important role in the society and a very important part, very important role. A consumer cannot go to a manufacturer to buy his requirements. Cannot go to a farmer to buy his requirements. There must be some middlemen. Buy from them and sell to the consumer with a reasonable profit. Nothing wrong. But when the madness of making money, making money is there, then you don't care how much profit you are making. More and more, more and more. Especially items which are so necessary for the livelihood of the people, for the health of the people. And you keep on increasing your price just to make more money, more money. Instead of serving the society, every businessman is serving the society, playing an important role in the society. But how badly one plays this role. The whole aim is to make more and more money, more and more money. This is very harmful. 
And then another madness arises, which I experienced myself also. You have a lot of money, a good prestige in the society. One who has more money has more prestige. This is the way society looks at people. Now people should also know that I am a great philanthropist. I give donation. I build a high school. I build a college. I build a hospital, an orphanage. But it must be the name must be given there: Goinka High School, Goinka College, Goinka Orphanage, Goinka Hospital, in golden letters. Madness. You are doing all this just to earn name and fame. There is no compassion in your mind. Certainly, if you make money, it has to be used for your own maintenance, for the maintenance of those who depend on you. But at the same time, you have to use it for the good of the society. One must understand that as a businessman. The profit comes from the pocket of the consumer. That means the society. What are you giving them in return? So, a substantial share of the profit should go for the benefit of the society, not to develop the ego, to inflate the ego, but with compassion. Compassion. Money has come from them. I must use for the benefit of these people. That compassion will give so much of peace. And the ego that one generates. I am a big philanthropist, and people should know how big amount I give for the benefit of people. That takes away the peace of your mind, the harmony of your mind, the happiness of your mind. Your aim was to get name and fame. You got it, but what about your peace? What about your harmony? All the positive feelings in the mind are missing. When all this service to the society is done with love, with compassion, with goodwill, without inflating one's ego, then it gives so much of peace, so much of harmony. So much of happiness. One understands all that at the intellectual level. Nowadays, we have very good psychiatrists, business management experts, who come and give us advices. You business CEOs, you must keep the cool of your mind. You must not be short-tempered. You should not disturb the atmosphere. Of your office, of your workshop, to get better results. Good. One understands, understands at the intellectual level, but not at the actual level. Again, one flares up. Anything, any little thing happens against one's wishes, against one's desire. One flares up, shouts, yells. Of course, at times, one understands no. I should not yell. I should not shout. This is not good. One doesn't shout, but the entire mental structure is full of anger, and it manifests on the body also. The face becomes red. 
eyes become red palpitation increases the people around you understand that you are angry although you are not shouting you are angry the same terror the whole atmosphere gets polluted when we talk of pollution in the atmosphere by these <coughs> chemicals diesel pollution this or that is bad for the health yes but the pollution created by the mind negativity of the mind is much more harmful the whole atmosphere is charged with negativity people lose their peace their harmony when one generates negativity the law of nature is such that when i generate negativity i am the first victim of my negativity i become so miserable so unhappy and then i don't keep this misery limited to myself i keep on throwing this misery on others the entire atmosphere around me becomes so tense anybody who comes in contact with me at that time when i am angry feels so miserable so miserable what sort of life i make myself miserable i make others miserable again and again in spite of knowing at the intellectual level i should not do this i should not do this and yet keep on generating negativity negativity harming oneself and harming so many others and if one really keeps the cool the calm the equanimity of the mind then one feels so peaceful so peaceful every word coming out of this person with love and compassion is so effective you want to shout is so effective others also maintain their peace you enhance the capability of these people the creative talents of these people they work much more with better results there is no tension in their mind there is no terror in their mind it is all very <clears throat> very good to understand at the intellectual level how to apply in life this is where vipassana comes to our help a leader whether leader of the commercial society leader of the political society leader of the administrative society or any section of the society a leader must understand that i must first learn how to lead myself I want to manage a big group of people I must learn how to manage myself and that is possible only if I develop mastery over myself I am my own master and that is possible if I start experiencing the truth within myself how I lose my mastery how I am overpowered I know I should not get overpowered and yet I get overpowered by negativities bad feelings because I am not the master of myself so self introspection to realize the truth about oneself the truth about this physical structure the mental structure the combination of the two at the experiential level not just by reading books not just by listening to these discourses they are good to give you some inspiration to give you some guidance but actual benefit comes 
when you really start experiencing the truth within yourself, for that purpose, this technique helps you. Self-introspection, self-realization, where one is making mistake, self-correction. Nobody else can correct you. You have to correct yourself. Somebody can just give you guidance. This is how you observe the truth about yourself. This is how you observe what is happening within yourself, in your mind. How negativity arises, 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 multiplies, multiplies, and overpowers you. And then you are helpless. You perform such unwholesome vocal action, unwholesome physical action, which otherwise you would not have done, because you are overpowered by this impurity. And after performing such unwholesome actions, then you keep on repenting, oh, I should not have said like this. I should not have done like this. You repent. So what? Next time, similar situation, you again react in the same wrong way. You again react in the same wrong way. The habit pattern at the root level of the mind is not changed. At the intellectual level, at the surface level of the mind, you understand what is good, what is bad, good for me, good for others, bad for me, bad for others. You understand. But still, deep inside, at the root level of the mind, the habit pattern is to generate generate one defilement or the other, one defilement or the other. And it keeps on multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. And one does not know what is happening deep inside. It is like burning charcoal deep inside, at the bottom, with a very thick layer of ashes over it. And one remains diluted with this thick layer of ashes without knowing there is so much of burning deep inside. How to come out of this burning? For that purpose one has to go to the depth of the mind, where this habit pattern is constantly multiplying, multiplying. For this Vipassana is practiced, it is a very ancient technique. Twenty-six centuries back, somebody discovered it, worked with it, and became fully enlightened. Pure mind. And with a pure mind, naturally, infinite love, infinite compassion, infinite goodwill for others, and with this love, compassion and goodwill, he started distributing this wonderful technique to people. A technique where no cult is involved, where no dogma is involved, where no blind faith is involved. The truth, truth about the interaction of your mind and matter, science of the interaction of mind and matter from the deepest level to the surface level of the mind. What is happening? How the mind keeps on influencing the body and in return how the body keeps on influencing the mind. All that remains unknown deep inside. How to know that? For this, this technique wants you to sharpen your mind. A part of the mind should become so sharp, so sharp, you have to make a surgical operation of your mind to go to the root level. So the mind must be very sharp. And that is why to learn this technique so that you can use it in your day-to-day life 
It is not an intellectual entertainment. It is not an emotional or devotional entertainment. It's actual practice. So one has to spare ten days of the life. You join a meditation, a vipassana center, or a place, congenial place, where vipassana is being taught, with the least disturbance from outside. And then you learn, first, how to make your mind sharp, razor sharp, very sensitive. Whenever you decide to take a course of 10 days, you'll be asked, as you join, you'll be asked, sit comfortably, comfortably, in any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch. It's a good posture for you. Not necessary a lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit conveniently, go ahead, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you. Keep your back and your neck straight because this keeps your mind more attentive. Keep your eyes gently closed, your mouth gently closed. Now, here you are to investigate the truths pertaining to yourself, pertaining to this physical structure, the corporeal structure, pertaining to the mental structure. The reality, the entire path is every step that you take must be with the reality that you are experiencing, not the reality that is written in the books, not the reality that the teacher has said, or your tradition says so, nothing doing. What you are experiencing from moment, from moment to moment, from moment to moment. So what reality is manifesting now? There is no vocal action, no physical action. You are sitting quietly. The first reality that you will experience is the breath coming in, the breath going out. This is truth, no imagination. Start with that. Because you have to develop your faculty, develop the faculty of awareness, awareness of the truth as it is, this truth of breath as it is. If it is deep, it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. If it passes through left nostril, left nostril. Right nostril, right nostril. Don't interfere with the natural flow of the breath. Don't make it a breathing exercise. Because the technique does not want you to have a controlled breath, natural breath. You are here to develop the faculty to feel the natural reality as it is, not as you would like it to be, as it is. So the breath as it is. Don't try to control the breath. There's another technique. We call it pranayama, where you control the breath. It has its own benefit. We don't denounce it. But this technique is totally different from pranayama. Here, you have to develop your faculty to observe the truth as it is, the breath as it is. Another important thing, no imagination allowed. You're observing the truth. When you start imagining something, then you are away from the truth. No imagination allowed. No verbalization is allowed. Otherwise, your mind starts rolling in the, the verbalization. You forget your breath. No visualization allowed. No speculation allowed. 
no suggestion auto suggestion or outer suggestion not allowed no imposition imposition of this philosophical belief or that philosophical belief nothing breath as breath keep on observing it is so simple you have to do nothing natural breath you keep your attention at the entrance of the nostril and keep on feeling the breath coming in breath going out like someone sitting at the bank of the river one observes the flow of the river one has nothing to do for the flow of the river it is there natural one just sits at the bank and observes so you keep your attention here and you just observe the flow of the breath so easy so easy but whenever you will decide to take a 10 day course you will find it so hard so hard you will hardly observe a couple of breath and the mind is gone somewhere and you realize oh, what happened i was here to observe the breath and where it is gone what is happening all right again i start you start again again within a few seconds again it is gone you start again again it is gone i have found not all but quite a few of the new students coming to a course they feel very frustrated very irritated start generating negativity negativity towards oneself negativity towards own mind what sort of mind i am carrying such a simple job you just observe do nothing and yet you can't do that lot of irritation lot of neg- ne- negativity then the guide will say no you come here to come out of negativity and you started generating negativity negativity is negativity whether you generate it towards others or towards yourself towards your own mind it will make you miserable this habit pattern is harmful just observe you are observing the breath mind wandered away and when you realize mind has wandered away this is the reality of this moment my mind has wandered away accept it smilingly and start again breath is still there all right start again with the breath again the mind wanders away you realize it has wandered away just accept the truth mind has wandered away and start again like this patiently persistently patiently persistently and continuously so far as this technique is concerned all 10 days one has to work continuously 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 continuity of practice is the secret of success so far as this technique is concerned mind wanders away so what you are aware again you brought it mind wandered away you but patiently patiently second day you find your mind is becoming calm calm more and more calm more and more tranquil third day much more calm much more tranquil it is not totally calm but much better than compared to the first day another important thing that you have to be aware of the breath keeping your attention on a small area below the nostrils above the upper lip the whole idea is that mind should become very sharp very sharp and the mind becomes sharp when is attentive one pointed attention so one pointed attention on this area observing the truth as it is mind becomes subtler and subtler sharper and sharper more and more sensitive one notices the breath as you are observing the breath observing the breath more and more you are with the breath with the breath naturally the breath becomes subtler and subtler finer and finer thinner and thinner shorter and shorter one notices the breath has become so thin like a thin thread 
As it comes out, it makes a U-turn, again goes in. It comes out, again goes in. So thin, so subtle. Mind is observing. The mind also becomes very subtle, very subtle and very sharp. And this results at the end of the third day, the mind becomes so sharp, so sensitive that you start feeling further realities, deeper realities pertaining to this mind-matter phenomenon. When you are working with the breath, then also the object was combination of mind and matter. It looks that the breath is a physical function. The lungs are functioning, so I breathe in or breathe out. True. But it also has got strongly related with the mind. The breath is always strongly related to the mind and very strongly related to the mental impurities. As you practice, it becomes clearer and clearer. Your mind is calm. You are aware of the breath. And suddenly your mind wanders away to the past or the future. Some memory of the past. Some aspiration or fears of the future. And you react. You generate fear. You generate anger. You generate passion. You generate any impurity. And you will notice, as soon as you have generated any impurity in the mind, the breath loses its normality. It is no more normal. It becomes slightly hard, slightly fast. And when that impurity is gone away, it again becomes calm, soft, quiet. So you understand it is strongly related to mind also and strongly related to mental impurities. That is why the enlightened one gave us the object of breath, nothing but breath pure breath, so that you understand the interaction of mind and matter. And you make your mind very sharp, a part of the mind very sharp, because you are working one-pointed concentration. At the end of the third day, some deeper realities, nothing but reality, entire path must be with the truth, 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 reality that you experience, subtler reality. Throughout the body, every moment, there is some biochemical reaction or the other taking place every moment. Some electromagnetic reaction or the other taking place every moment. And this manifests itself as this sensation or that sensation, a physical sensation. So now working for three days continuously, you have found your mind has become very sensitive, very subtle. It starts feeling physical sensations on this area. You are working on a small area some sensation or the other. Constantly there is some sensation or the other. Maybe heat, maybe perspiration, maybe throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling, something or the other. Always here. And you are observing it. Not reacting it, just observing as it is, as it is. And from the fourth day you start observing the entire physical structure from the top of the head to the tips of the toes. Wherever your mind goes, you feel sensation. Where your mind goes, there is sensation. Everywhere. Your mind was not sensitive enough to feel it. When there was very gross, solidified, intensified, unpleasant sensation, like pain, pressure, heaviness, one can easily feel. One keeps on feeling, nothing wrong. But there are so many subtler sensations. At the deepest level, such subtle Subtle oscillation is going on. How can one feel unless the mind is very sensitive to feel it? 
And the whole technique wants your mind to become very sensitive so that you can feel all different kinds of sensations throughout the body. Initially, when you start working, quite a few students, they feel only gross sensations, pain, pressure, etc. But very soon, with a very concentrated mind, sharp mind, and equanimous mind, when you're not reacting to them. Generally, the habit pattern is that when you come across unpleasant sensation, you react with aversion, hatred, you don't like it, you don't like it, aversion, aversion. Now you're trained, don't generate aversion, just observe as it is, as it is, mind becomes sharper and sharper. And then all these gross sensations, solidified sensation, they get divided, dissected, disintegrated, dissolved, dissolved. Within a few days, one starts experiencing the entire physical structure. There is no solidity at all. At the apparent level, so much solidity. But at the deeper level, at the actual level, no solidity at all. This is what was realized by this enlightened person. By experience, personal experience, by insight, personal insight. One wonders 26 centuries back, without the help of any modern scientific instruments or apparatus, one starts realizing the truth. The entire body, which looks so solid, actually it is made up of tiny little, tiny little particles of matter, which we call today atom. In those days he gave a name, Kalapa, tiniest particle of the matter, we call Kalapa. And the tiniest particle is also not solid. It's wavelet. Wavelet. So the entire physical structure is wavelet. Pakampito, pakampito. Only wavelets, wavelets, wavelets. He discovered it. The truth was there. But nobody knew. And by his, this technique of making the mind sharp, sharp. He started with respiration. Making the mind sharp, sharp, sharp. You could feel the entire body is mere wavelets, wavelets, vibration, vibration. And then spreading his attention outside, the entire world is mere vibration, mere vibration. No solidity. At the apparent level, yes, solid. Actual level, no solidity, mere vibration, mere vibration. Our scientists today have reached to understand this reality more than a century ago that in the material world there is no solidity at all. It is all wavelets, wavelets. But this super scientist of spiritual world, he realized it at the experiential level, 26 centuries back. Entire material world is made of kalapas, and that is only vibration, vibration. And that is not to be accepted because this enlightened person said so, or a scripture says so, or a tradition says so. Or your present teacher says so. Nothing doing. Everyone has to experience. And this technique takes you deeper, deeper, deeper to the stage where you yourself experience there is nothing but vibration, vibration, vibration. Similarly, mind is also vibration. Mental contents are mere vibration, vibration. Mental contents, they come again very solidified, very intense, like anger, fear, passion, so intensified. You keep on observing observing, divided, dissected, disintegrated, dissolved, mere vibration, mere vibration. Mind and matter, mere vibration, mere vibration. 
what one gains by that? As you proceed, you understand what I gain by that. Because when you are made to experience these sensations in the body, you are also made to understand that whatever sensation you are experiencing, it is not eternal. The truth, the nature, the nature of every sensation, gross or subtle, pleasant or unpleasant, when it is a very gross solidified sensation, it arises, stays for some time, but sooner or later passes away. This is the characteristic of sensation. And when you come to very subtle vibrations, very pleasant subtle vibrations throughout the body, same characteristic, arising, passing, arising, passing, every wavelet arising, passing, now with great rapidity, with high velocity. So it becomes so clear. Nothing is eternal. Mind and matter, nothing is eternal. Rising, passing, arising, passing. Then a wisdom arises. Not the wisdom given by somebody, wisdom with one's own experience. What is the sense in reacting to something which is constantly changing, which keeps on changing? What is the sense to react to these unpleasant sensations with aversion? What is the sense to react with pleasant sensation with craving or clinging? This wisdom of experience makes the mind more and more equanimous, more and more equanimous. Just observe. Look, arising, passing away, arising, passing away, arising, passing away. Then when you reach the stage where the entire mind and matter is mere vibration, certain realities, the law of nature becomes clearer and clearer. You take your attention at any sense door, eye sense door, vibration, vibration, ear sense door, vibration, vibration, nose sense door, vibration, vibration, tongue sense door, vibration, vibration, body sense door, vibration, vibration, mind sense door, vibration, vibration. The world is world for us only when it comes in contact with one or the other of the sense door. Otherwise, there is no world for us. Someone who is deaf from the birth, for this person, there is no world of sound. He doesn't know what sound is. Blind from birth, this person, there is no world of shape or form or color or light. So, the world is the world when it comes in contact with the sense doors. And now you realize... Your attention, say, has gone on any sense door. It has gone on this ear sense door. Vibration, vibration, vibration. A sound comes in contact with it. You notice the sound is also vibration, vibration. This vibration in the body comes in contact with the vibration of the sound. A new type of vibration starts. Neutral. New type of vibration starts. Like you strike a gong. You strike a gong at one point, but the whole gong starts vibrating. So the whole body starts vibrating because of the sound that has come. First part of the mind, there are four segments of the mind realized by that enlightened person. Not only that, he went to that depth where he realized 121 types of mind and 52 types of mental contents. To go to that depth, it will take a long time, but for Initially, one has to understand these four segments, the four seg- aggregates. First aggregate, the first segment, its job is to cognize. Something has come in contact with the ear sense door. It cognizes. Well, look, something has happened at the ear sense door. Or something has happened at the eye sense door, or nose sense door, tongue sense door, or body sense door, or the mind sense door. A sound has come in contact with the ear sense door. 
some shape or form or color or light has come in contact with the eye sense door. Smell has come in contact with the nose sense door. A taste has come in contact with the tongue sense door. Something tangible has come in contact with the body sense door. Or some thought or emotion has come in contact with the mind sense door. Now a sound has come in contact with the ear sense door. So this part of the mind cognizes, look, there is something, something happening at the ear sense door. And the vibration that you feel is a neutral vibration throughout the body, a flow of neutral vibration. Then immediately, second part of the mind, its job is to recognize. Sound has come in contact with the ear. What sound? And with all the experience of the past, and with all the memory of the past, this part of the mind recognizes, oh, this sound are words. What words? Words of abuse, words of insult, words, words of praise. It has recognized. Not only recognized, it gives evaluation also. Words of abuse, very bad. Words of praise, ah, wonderful. It has given valuation. And the moment this second part of the mind does its job, you will notice the vibrations, the flow of vibration throughout the body, which was just neutral. The moment this part of the mind says, very bad, these are the words of abuse, and you find the flow changes. Vibration changes, very unpleasant, very unpleasant vibrations throughout the body. Or the valuation is given, oh, praise, wonderful. You will find the entire flow of this vibration becomes very pleasant, very pleasant. Third part of the mind starts feeling these sensations, pleasant, unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant. And immediately the fourth part starts working. Its job is to react. Unpleasant sensation. And it will react with aversion, hatred. I don't like it. I don't like it. Pleasant sensation. Craving, clinging. Ah, wonderful. I like it. At the apparent level it looks that I am reacting to the outside object which came in contact with my ear door. Somebody is abusing me, so I am reacting. I don't like that. Somebody is praising me, so I am reacting. I like that. It is true, but apparent truth. <coughs> Sorry. Actual truth is that you are not reacting to the outside world. You are not reacting to these words. You are reacting to the sensation, which were caused because of this outside object, but the reaction comes only after you have felt sensations, pleasant or unpleasant. A great discovery by this person. A great discovery. He was a scientist. This is what he did. Kept on finding out what the reality is, what the reality is. In those days, there were teachers of spirituality in India. Many traditions were there. And most of the traditions will say, don't react to these outside sensual objects. Don't generate craving or aversion towards these ob objects. They will get untangle you and you will create more and more misery for yourself. That teaching was there. And this enlightened person says, no. You are not reacting to outside object. You are, sorry, you are reacting to the sensations on your body. So go to the depth and feel sensations. And change the habit pattern of your reacting to the sensations. That is why all this exercise. For three days you keep on observing the breath, observing the breath, nothing but breath. Mind becomes sharper, 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 more sensitive. You start feeling sensations. And then you start feeling different kinds of sensations. And then you start understanding that every sensation is impermanent, changing. 
and then you train your mind to remain equanimous. So a sensation has come, however unpleasant it is. It's not eternal. Let me see how long it lasts. It's not eternal. A pleasant sensation has come. It is not eternal. Let me see how long it lasts. Your habit pattern to react, all the time to react with craving, aversion, craving, aversion, is changing. And when one goes to that depth of the mind, one feels so much of peace, so much of harmony. And the moment you generate any defilement, you generate craving, you find that your peace is gone, your harmony is gone. There is so much disturbance in the mind. Your balance of mind is gone. The moment you generate aversion, your peace is gone. Your harmony is gone. Your happiness is gone. The balance of the mind is gone. You started harming yourself. Because we live all the time at the surface level of the mind, the, the so-called conscious level of the mind. We don't know what is happening at the depth of the mind. And there we keep on generating 24 hours, day and night, asleep or awakened. Every moment there is some sensation or the other in the body. Pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And you keep on reacting, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. This habit pattern of generating raga, dvesha, craving, aversion, craving, aversion, becoming stronger and stronger. You can't help. You try to keep your mind at the surface level free from craving, free from aversion, free from negativity, free from fear, free from all impurities you want to keep them off. But deep inside, you keep on multiplying that. Keep on multiplying. And although the mind is very calm at the surface level, time and again, there's a volcanic eruption. A volcanic eruption from the depth of the mind and the whole calmness of the mind at the surface level is gone. Again, you are the same person. So that is why this enlightened person, a great scientist having found out where the misery arises and how it multiplies and overpowers you, go to the depth of the mind. He says that you have got a poisonous tree in your compound, very harmful, a poisonous tree. Every fiber of it is full of poison. So you cut it off. Good, you cut it off. But there is still roots are there. Another tree will arise. Another tree will arise. You are not liberated from misery. So he says, work at the root level. Don't just work at the surface. Of course, those people who are working at the surface level by using many techniques, good. They are much better than people who don't work anything for, the, uh, for calming the mind, for purifying the mind. But going to the depth of the mind is much more important. When you go to the depth of the mind, habit pattern is changed. Habit pattern is changed. The moment you generate any negativity, you start realizing, I am harming myself. Look, I am harming myself. So a leader has to learn how to lead oneself. One who manages different sections of the society has to learn how to manage. First, learn how to manage myself. If I can't manage myself, I keep on harming myself. How will I not harm others? Because the moment I harm myself, I start harming others. So change the correction, self-correction. And self-correction, not by these counselings, not by reading books, by experience, experience. Oh, this is how I harm myself. This is how I keep on becoming miserable. And this is how I make others miserable. More and more one gets experience in this. The life pattern starts changing. Life pattern starts changing. Not only my own experience, what happened after Vipassana, what a big change came in my life. But large number of people, 
so many business executives are coming some political leaders are also coming government executive of secretary level are coming and they they find the big change in their life their capacity to work increases gives more result better result in their life so it is good for those who are leaders but i say it is good for everyone everyone in the society has to learn so that one can live a good life good for oneself and good for others the whole technique is an art of living how to live peacefully and harmoniously within and how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside so that others can also live in peace and harmony a good way of life which can be practiced by anyone anyone that is why it is non sectarian people from different religions come and practice actually there is no religion in the world whose followers are not taking 10 day courses of vipassana no religion in the world their leaders are coming in many cases we have now more than 2000 christian priests and nuns who participated in 10 day courses and they are more and more are coming similarly hindu sanyasis buddhist monks jain munis all they are coming in large numbers because they find it is one with their religion also every religion teaches morality every religion teaches a control of the mind every religion teaches purity of the mind to love with love compassion goodwill positive feelings so this is a practical way and people accept it but one has to spare 10 days of life which looks too much it looks too much to me also how can i spare 10 days i'm such a busy person i'm such a busy person but one cannot go to the depth of the mind if one has to work only on the surface of the mind there are many techniques we are not here to condemn other techniques but i know with my experience i have worked with so many techniques before i came to vipassana this takes you to the depth of the mind and the depth of the mind is constantly in contact with body sensation so any technique you call it vipassana or anything which takes you to the sensation of the body you start feeling different sensations on the body and you don't react that means you are coming out of the habit of reaction craving or aversion it is good for you it purifies the mind from the bottom from the root level you have spared an hour of your life to understand what it is at the intellectual level i would advise with my experience and the experience of hundreds of thousands of people around the world spare 10 days of your life learn this technique good for you beneficial for you and so also good and beneficial for so many others through you so many people will get benefit spare 10 days and experience what real happiness is real peace is real harmony is may all of you enjoy real peace real harmony real happiness real happiness Thank you. I am very very busy. Do you have shorter courses? <laughs> bargain bargaining bargaining. I was born in a business family, lived in business for 
half of my life, so I know how business people keep on bargaining, bargaining. But it doesn't work. I remember when I went to my teacher and he said, 10 days, 10 days? Look, I am so busy. My business responsibilities, industrial responsibilities, social responsibilities. How can I spare 10 days? And look, I am very intelligent. That's why I am successful in my life. You just explain me how to practice. I'll practice at home. Why 10 days? He just laughed. I said, all right, I'll come one day and you give me the technique, practical technique, and I'll practice at home. He just laughed. Not possible. Not possible. Three days you have to practice just to sharpen your mind continuously. And then you have to sharpen your mind to feel different sensations. Pleasant, unpleasant, gross, subtle. And then you have to train your mind to understand that they are all impermanent. So don't react. Don't react to come out of the old habit. It takes time. So one has to spare 10 days. Without that, you can't go to the depth of the mind. I know some of my students who have taken just one course or so. Out of madness, they started. All right, we give one day course, a weekend course. We come few hours only. Why spare 10 days? We will teach the same thing. Yes, but they don't know how they are harming people. Those who come to these weekend courses or one day courses or two day courses, what they gain? They can't go to the depth of the mind. And I see some of them get frustrated because they don't get anything. Oh, I know Vipassana doesn't give any benefit, so I won't go. You are keeping them away from Vipassana. You make a barrier for them. Or someone gets little benefit. Oh, I know what Vipassana is now. Not necessarily go for 10 days. And they misses the real technique which takes you to the depth of the mind. So spare 10 days. Don't bargain. It is for your good, your benefit. I want to get the maximum return on my investment. But some of the companies are involved in unwholesome activities. What should I do? You are not to be blamed. These leaders, corporate leaders, they don't understand. When they come to these courses, they start understanding that we are, when we are harming our shareholders, when we are harming our customers, we are actually harming ourselves. Because what defilement you generate, you can't do anything wrong to anybody without generating a defilement in your mind. Every vocal or physical unwholesome action starts with the unwholesome mind. And the moment you have your mind unwholesome, you are a miserable person. So all these people, they don't understand that we are harming others, but before harming others, we are harming ourselves. So I feel a time will come. It is a new technique, but actually it's a very old technique. For today's world, Vipassana is a new word. New word, is there any technique by the name of Vipassana? What Vipassana? We never heard. So it is becoming popular more and more. And more and more these responsible people of the society, leaders of society, of the commercial world, industrial world, of the social world, of the political world, administration world, if they start coming, a big change will come in them and that will help you. Otherwise, certainly you are getting deceived by these people who are so very much greedy to get money and they don't care what happens to their shareholders. If I practice this technique, Will I still be able to have fun? <laughs> Who stops you from having fun? But don't get attached to that fun. If you're attached to it, when you miss it, you become so depressed, so distressed, you are a miserable person. Enjoy in a, in a, uh, without having any attachment, in a detached way. Enjoy. When it goes away, you smile. Yes, I knew it was going, going to go away. It has gone away. So what? And you are happy. 
How can we deal with all the fear and anger from the events of September 11? This is the most important time when Vipassana is needed. The fear that comes in the mind. You are so fearful of future, what will happen tomorrow? What will happen next moment, you do not know. Another blast, this terrorist. So you feel, always you feel insecure, insecure. That may happen or may not happen. And even if it happens, we don't know when it happens. And you are miserable even today. This technique will help you to come out of fear, to come out of worry, come out of anxiety. You are always alert to keep yourself safe. That is important. But why fear? Why worry? Whenever fear comes, this technique will help you. There is fear in my mind. Fear due to this or that. Nothing doing. Fear as fear. Abstract fear. And according to the law of nature discovered by this enlightened person, nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body. So fear, there must be a sensation on the body. And yes, there is sensation on the body. So whatever sensation you have at that time in the body is related to this fear. You keep on observing this sensation. This is impermanent, not eternal. So this fear which is related to this sensation is also not permanent, not eternal. Let me see how long it lasts. Let me see how long it lasts. It cannot overpower you. Your head is above the water. It cannot overpower you. It becomes weaker, weaker, weaker and passes away. This is the wonderful way to face all these difficulties of life. Such difficulties are bound to come today or tomorrow or any time. You have to be strong and this technique makes you fearless and strong. Does your wife meditate? How about your children? They all meditate. She won't sit near me unless she meditates. She meditates and gives me the strength. We both are meditators. We give strength to each other. She meditates and keeps herself very happy and keeps those in the audience very happy. She keeps on generating vibrations of love, compassion, love, compassion. The whole atmosphere full of love, compassion. That is why you listen to me so attentively, because of her. (laughs) How I deal with the stock market collapse. (laughs) Persuade these leaders of the commerce, corporate bodies. Let them come to the courses then this collapse will not happen again. More and more people realize that we should not be dishonest to our customers. We should not be dishonest to our shareholders. We get money from our customers. We make money because of the shareholders who have invested. How can one be dishonest to them? This technique will help them to remain honest, honest, honest. Don't create figures, wrong figures, and give it to to the shareholders so that they invest more and more, more and more and harm themselves. This will only change when these leaders change. How much do these courses cost? (laughs) You can't give that cost. These are priceless, invaluable. How can you give valuable, value tag to Vipassana? The moment you give any value tag, its purity is lost. It becomes a business. Vipassana can never be made a business. It cannot be a livelihood. One must have separate livelihood. And it is a technique 
where a teacher just keeps on giving, giving without expecting anything in return. So no charges for the technique. And the technique is with residential courses. So 10 days you have to live. So no charges for boarding and lodging or anything. It's all free. Then how the courses run? The money does not come from the clouds. They don't rain. From where they come? These students who have taken the courses, when the mind becomes purer and purer, compassion arises. I got so much benefit in these 10 days, which makes me so peaceful, so harmonious. And I got a path by which I can remain harmonious and peaceful in future. There is misery all around. So many people are miserable. If they come in contact with this wonderful technique, scientific technique, non-sectarian technique, result-oriented technique, if people come in contact, they will come out of their misery. So may, may more and more courses be arranged, more and more people come, and they give willingly, voluntarily donation. Not that everybody has to give, nothing, nobody questions, but they give, and this is how courses after courses are being arranged. Was the young Gautama wrong to leave his wife and young son without saying goodbye? <laughs> yes, from the worldly point of view, it looks it was wrong. But when we go at the deeper level, it was very right. He has to go. He could not practice that depth living in house because he had to discover this depth. Once this, this depth, the reality was discovered by him, then it became common to everybody. His wife came to him, learned this technique, became fully enlightened. His son came to him, became fully enlightened. His father, his aunt, all the family members, they got benefit from it. But how could they got this benefit unless this person has discovered the truth? He tried so many other meditation techniques. They were good. They were keeping the mind quiet, calm, pure also to some extent. But they never take to the depth of the mind. And he discovered how to go to the depth of the mind and how to purify the mind at the root level. And this is distributed to everybody and also distributed to his own near and dear ones. I live with chronic pain, so sitting without moving for many hours can leave me in greater pain. Do you have suggestions? Nobody will ask you to sit with pain. You can change your postures. And if you have got a chronic pain, the management, the teacher will help you. You can sit on the chair and you can, you can change your posture. Nothing wrong in that. After Vipassana, there are three times, one hour, one hour, one sits without changing. But if there's chronic pain, you can change. So it is not a body exercise, a mind exercise. So the training is for the mind not to react. In your view, which is number one society in the world following Vipassana principles? No number one society. It has just started a few decades now. Very few people have started practicing. Although, quite hundreds of thousands of them, but still it's a drop in the ocean. But very good thing, it has started. People have started realizing that there exists a technique which can take us to the depth of the mind and we can become a better citizen of every society. And that will spread. I am sure when there is so much of darkness, then light is needed. When there is so much of misery, then a technique to keep us happy is needed. And this is a technique which will spread, there is no doubt. From a business perspective, how is it the courses and your talks can be offered for no charge and flourish? 
they flourish because there is no charge. If I start taking charge, it becomes commercial. If I was to do commercial, I had so much business. My sons are doing business, I could have sat in their office and, and helped them to make more money. Enough. Now I feel so happy giving this a message of this wonderful technique to the world. And I feel more and more people are coming. And when they are coming, they are enjoying this technique with peace and harmony. And it spreads like that. And those who are taken benefit from it, they arrange all the expenses for this travel. So one need not worry for the expenses. It all comes by donation, voluntary donation. Does God play a role in Vipassana? And does man become a God? Certainly, man becomes a God. What is God? God is truth. God is purity. God is love. God is compassion. And you are training yourself to be truthful, always with the truth. To be pure, without any impurity in the mind. And love, compassion, you are becoming God. So become God by developing all the qualities of the God. Can you speak about competition? Yes, competition should be there. But what kind of competition? Every religion has two aspects. One is the inner essence, which is the same in every religion. The inner essence is live a moral life with a disciplined mind, with a pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill. And then there is the outer shell, which always differs from one religion to the other. Rites, rituals, ceremonies, celebrations, this belief, that belief, this dogma, that dogma, this cult, it differs. People keep on quarreling and competing. My right and ritual is the right, right thing. My belief is the right thing. And they quarrel and because of that, all this terrorism and all starts. Either you believe my life, my, my belief, or I will kill you. This kind of madness is there. Competition should be there for the inner essence, morality. I'm more, I live a better life, more moral life. All right, I compete. I live a better life than you, more better life. I have got a disciplined mind. I will have more disciplined mind. You have got a pure mind. I will have more pure mind. This kind of competition is healthy competition. It won't harm you. But competing with the outer shell or competing in the world to make money. I am one inch taller than you. Look, my bank balance is so much. My turnover is so much. My stock prices are so high. Madness. Madness. The love and compassion, these qualities, these human qualities, the human values, they, that must grow and there must be competition to enhance the human value. Can you clarify what you mean by mental pollution? When you say pollution, material pollution, then the whole atmosphere is full of some polluted impurities. So also, when you generate impurity in your mind, say you generate anger, hatred, ill will, you start generating those vibrations and they get permeated in the atmosphere outside. People who come in contact, they feel so unhappy because the whole vibration is unhealthy vibration and the whole atmosphere has become polluted with that vibration. On the other hand, if your mind is pure and with a pure mind you generate love, compassion, goodwill, then there is no pollution. The atmosphere remains so pure, so peaceful. 
anyone who comes in contact with feel peace and harmony within oneself. So the pollution is the pollution of the defilement of the mind. What is the most essential responsibility of a leader? Most essential responsibility of a leader is learn how to lead oneself. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead anybody else. So learn how to lead yourself, learn how to control yourself, learn how to discipline yourself, learn how to correct yourself, learn how to become master of yourself. Then you can also help others to be master of yourself, to live a peaceful life, harmonious life. Good. Four more questions. And after that, I am liberated. Good. Why do you refuse to discuss your own spiritual attainments? What you will gain by that? My spiritual attainment, if they are true, my life will manifest that. If my life is certainly good, wholesome, healthy, then you can say, yes, there is some spiritual attainment. Otherwise, I keep on boasting, I've got so much spiritual attainment, I've got so much spiritual power, supernatural power. What you will gain by that? It's meaningless. So the life is a manifestation of the spirituality of a person. I'm very attached to my parents and family. If attachment causes grief and pain, what should I do? Learn how to serve your parents, serve your children, Love for your parents, respect for your parents, and love for your children, but in a detached way. If you are attached, then something goes wrong, and you become so miserable. Otherwise, something goes wrong. Say somebody is sick, you don't become miserable. You work hard to help this person to come out of misery, come out of disease. Otherwise, you lose the balance of your mind. They are miserable, and you are also miserable. A lame person cannot help another lame person. A blind person cannot help another blind person. To be strong by Vipassana and have full of love, compassion, goodwill, and all the respect for the elders and all the love for the juniors. I have no concentration while praying. That is why I come to Vipassana and you know how to have concentration. Can you speak about impermanence and marriage? Why impermanence in marriage? You learn how to live peacefully, have good relation with your spouse, and whole life you live so peacefully, so harmoniously, impermanence in the sense that a time will come when you depart. One of you will pass away. So what? One of you pass away, and still your mind is balanced. In that way you understand impermanence. Otherwise your love, your goodwill, your relations permanently, should be permanently good, helpful to each other, so that both of you live a very happy life, harmonious life. May all of you enjoy real peace, real harmony, real happiness in life.